Brian Winhurst and the Hoop Collective is presented by YouTube TV. Try it free today at youtube.com slash NBA 23. New users only. Terms apply. Cancel anytime. the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Thursday evening. I apologize. I forgot my mic. It's my fault. I'm my sorry. My sound is bad. And we're doing another podcast tomorrow night. And it's going to sound bad on that one, too. So just get ready for it. <laughs> my fault. Joining me from about 80 blocks up Manhattan is Tim Bonteps. More importantly, how's your chair? My chair is fine. Very average. Bob Temps was in Boston today for the uh, Chris Porzingis press conference. It was the most important thing that happened. I hope you enjoyed it. We may talk about that in the next hour. We'll see. Join us from Dallas, Texas. It's Van McMahon. Howdy, partners. How's your theme song? Uh, Got to negotiate that one. Got to negotiate that one. A lot of negotiating going on these days. Going to fire my agent if we don't get it on the next pod. <laughs> All right, so we got ourselves a circus in the NBA. It seems like it happens every free agency period, and we got it. James Harden opts into his contract um, with the Philadelphia 76ers, which indicates, as Woj has reported, that he would like a trade. The We'll find out. There's a, some haze out there from the different sides as we're in the thick of this right now. Um, We'll find out how much serious negotiating went on. Um, But at the end of the day, what the 76ers were offering or willing to offer James Harden for opting out and entering in a new contract was obviously unpalatable to him. Whether the offer was not long enough, not high enough, not complete enough, whatever it was, he didn't like it. And, you know, the thing about it is, is, if he became a free agent and he opted out of his contract, which a lot of us assumed, mm-hmm. expected that he would do, his options were really narrow because you could only sign with teams with cap space or you could engineer a sign and trade. And you can apply pressure to the Sixers on a sign and trade, but a lot of teams, because of their salary cap position, can't do a sign and trade. If you opt into your contract, and have that was a 36.5 million, then you can go to any team as long as the teams can do a trade. There's no, you know, some teams still are, have some cap issues, but you know, there's nobody who's going to be forbidden from doing it. Um, and nobody, and I mean, nobody demands trades like James Harden. <laughs> this is the man's third trade off trade request in, I believe less than three years. So I know that Philadelphia uh, may want to hold its cards close to its vest and may not want to acquiesce because at the end of the day, I could see somebody saying, oh, he opted in for $36.5 million. Sounds good to us. We'll see you in the fall. But that's not the way Harden's going to play this. And uh, McMahon, you went through this in Houston. When James Harden wants to be moved from somewhere, he'll find a way to get moved from somewhere. And so I think he's played his last game for the 76ers. And now it's a matter of how is this going to work out? Well, at the bare minimum, he's played hard his last game for the 76ers. I think you can ask the Rockets how that works out. Um, You remember when it was mid-pandemic and he spent uh, the start of training camp partying in Atlanta and and Vegas with little baby, among others. 
Uh, he did come back in the in the opener, lit it up for 44 and 17, kind of one of those, hey, just so you know, I can still play if I want to. And then the rest of his time was, but I don't want to in Houston anymore. Same thing happened in Brooklyn. And, you know, this is it's interesting because for months and months and months, we thought this was going to come down to, hey, is he going to go back to Houston or is he going to decide to sit to stay in Philly? And it certainly sounds like um, without any kind of contact that would be illegal, it became clear to him that the Rockets aren't putting the kind of deal on the table that he wanted either. And so then all the smoke was, okay. He's going back to Philly, and, and apparently he didn't get he didn't get it uh, there either. And so, um, you know, Harden made a calculated bet last year, in part to give the Sixers more salary cap space, but also knowing, hey, I'm going to become a free agent. I'll get the rest of my money uh, a year later, and that's not the way this is working out. And so he'll pack his bags once again, and likely off to the West Coast he goes. Well, I mean, look. I think at the end of the day, this entire thing is just about leverage and who has it, and who doesn't. And I think what's been very clear throughout this entire process is James Harden has none. And that's where we're at, because opting into this deal is the best outcome the Sixers could have had, because now you could trade him anywhere. Mm -hmm. You're not in a threat of him leaving for nothing. Right. And. He is now, and now you have control of the entire situation. If James Harden had opted out, in theory, he would have had some ability to try to go out and find a deal and maybe make something happen. But the fact that he opted in, to your point, McMahon, it's a sign that, you know, certainly indications are Houston's going elsewhere with their money at point guard. I think everybody mm-hmm. can make an educated guess about what that's going to be. And so then he had no offers on the table. He had no ability to no, get don't somewhere. Don't make an educated guess. I- you know, it looks like Fred Van Vliet is the Rockets' was, number one. I was, just, I was just having a little right. fun with it. And, 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 and key, maybe they'll get it done, and maybe they won't, but it's not James Harden. Right, but and also key to that is it looks like it'll be Van Vliet on a two-year deal. Now, a two-year deal, perhaps at the max, which is above his reasonable market value, but the key there is a two-year deal where obviously Harden was looking more one more of a long-term commitment. Well, in either way, the money's gone, whatever the year. So right. it was one year, right? The money's off the board. And if you look around, okay, where's he getting the money? There's nowhere to get the money. So yeah. if you opt out, then you at least have a position to maybe negotiate with the Sixers. Maybe you find something else. Now that he's opted in, I know everybody's going to talk about all these places James Harden's going to get traded and, oh, you know, you can go to the Clippers for this or go to the Knicks for that or whatever. You know, Adrian mentioned those two teams today. That's why I said them. But the Sixers are in charge of this deal. And if they, I think they have the ability to play this thing out. And as we saw Daryl Morey do with the Ben Simmons thing a couple of years ago, he is not going to have any problem waiting to do something until he thinks it's in his best interest to make a deal. He's not just going to make one to make a bad one in two minutes. I will say this to my knowledge, Daryl Morey does not, has never owned a single Ben Simmons t shirt. I know for a fact I have seen the man wear multiple James Harden T-shirts. I cannot confirm this because I've never been invited to Daryl Morey's home, but I've heard that there's a beautiful commissioned uh, portrait of James Harden hanging prominently in the Morey home. So this is a little bit of a different situation. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, 
Well, it's, it's a little. That's part of the shock that is that it's gotten to this point. Like you never thought Maury and Hard would have this kind of breakup. Well, but this is the thing. The reason we're in this situation is because there was no team for the Sixers to bid against. Right? Like James Harden was frustrated. He wasn't getting the kind of offer he was getting. Well, how do you get offers? Right? You have competing offers. When you have competing offers, the numbers go up and then you get to a point where you want to get to. With Houston off the board and you don't have Philly versus Houston anymore, there's just not a secondary team that you could look at and say, that's a real threat to go get James Harden to then draw Philly's offer up. Well, the other way to get offers is if it's going to hurt a team so badly that they lose you and they're afraid that you're going to feel disrespect and be disgruntled if they keep you at a lower number, then that might drive the offer up. But we'll we'll touch on Kyrie later. (laughs) Well, I just, I mean. I was going to say something real quick. Yeah. Two years ago, 2021 season, 2021 season, 2021 2021, 2021 I, I, it was it was yeah it was the 2021 what are you, what season are you, what are you trying to you're say talking, you're talking about when hard forced his way out of houston no sorry okay okay <laughs> before the 2021-22 season okay kevin durant signed a 200 million dollar extension with the brooklyn nets and the nets had in every intention to match his his extension with james harden and Kyrie Irving, mm-hmm. they could have signed with the Nets for, I, I think it was four years at the time because they had a year left on their contracts. Yep. They could have signed, I think it was in the neighborhood of $180 million over four years. They did not. And when these four years are calculated, it's going to be interesting to see how much money they lost. Now, maybe James Harden would say, I don't care how much money I lost. I wasn't happy in Brooklyn and I'm glad I'm out. And maybe he'll end up someplace next year and it'll be glorious. It'll be happy. He'll get a new contract and everything. Kyrie Irving may say the exact same thing. We haven't seen the end of those four years yet, but not good guys, not good since they decided not to do that. And they're both kind of in the same boat. I don't think either of them have a real market. And I think it's interesting. The only difference is Kyrie doesn't have an option to opt into. It's very interesting to see the way that as you mentioned, Daryl Morey, who's built a significant part of his career around James Harden, yeah. played hardball yeah. here. Well, I don't Not even know if he to... played, I don't even know if it's fair to say he played hardball because there's nothing to really play hardball with if there's not another offer. Well, that's the thing. Listen, no, that's not, that's not fair to say because when they made the deal for Harden, a lot of the discussion and the evaluation of that trade, which I still think was a win because you got off of Ben Simmons' Absolutely. contract. Absolutely. Um, but a lot of the discussion was, hey, now you're going to give Harden what might end up being one of the worst contracts in, in the NBA because of the way he's going to age, et cetera, et cetera. He never gave Harden that contract. Yep. He somehow convinced Harden to take a pay cut, right? Well, let's, let's, the, the let's stop on that. that. Let's okay, stop on but, that for a second, just okay. real quick. We've talked about this ever since last year, right? They they got Harden to pay, take a pay cut, right? Maybe there wasn't the biggest market for James Harden a year ago either, right? But, but like, still, you got the you got that you convinced the man to take a pay cut and and to be happy about it and to tell everybody how much yep. he sacrificed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then he never hard. We all 
I'm not going to say anticipated, but thought it was a very legitimate possibility that at some point Harden was going to get that $200 million contract from the Sixers. That never happened. He he never even got a $100 million contract from the Sixers. So in this in that sense, yeah, I think it is safe to say or fair to say that Maury's played hardball. I guess I guess what I would or say is, well, I guess what I would say though is that it's just to me a sign of how limited James's market actually is. And that, like, yeah, like Daryl could have just like said, Yeah, James, we're gonna give you the max just to like be great. But like if Houston was sitting there offering, say, let's just say the max for three years to James Harden, mm-hmm. right? And like he could walk out the door for nothing. Well, then I think Philly probably would have been offering more money because it would have really hurt right. them to just have him walk out the door. But there was no other offer. So I, it's like you could say it, I guess maybe it's a semantical argument. But to me, what's interesting about this is we spent all year talking about what's James Harden going to do? Is he going to go back to Houston? Is he going to stay in Philly? What's he going to do? And ultimately, it feels like it was a game of like ring around the rosy and he didn't have a chair. And he's just sort of standing there. He's like, well, what do I do? Well, I guess I'll opt into this deal to make sure I have something. And then maybe I can force my way somewhere well, else. I, I think, but, I, are you implying that you think that the Sixers didn't want to sign him at all? I think, I think James Harden was, uh, my read of it is James Harden thought there was going to be a bidding war for his services. And right. instead, there was not. And the yeah, Sixers but, didn't just step up and offer him the deal right. he wanted without That's anybody else trying. That's called hardball. Just I just that. don't, I I guess I guess what I would say I think it's more interesting and a different frame of it to say it's you could say that he just didn't hand him all the money, but there's also nobody else that's even in the ballpark on it. Yes, but that happens every day sure. in the NBA, including like yesterday when Nikola Vucevic got three years and sixty million when nobody was going to bid for that. Well, and but that's and, and and we're honestly we're talking about I mean that is the situation that the Mavericks are in with Kyrie, and I. I I think that Kyrie, I don't know that he gets full max. The Mavericks are trying to protect their mid-level, which they can't go full max on that. But I think he's going to get more than the 35.6, 36, whatever it is that, that Harden opted in on. I'll tell you that. I think the first year starting salary will begin with a four. Um, well, but well, and let's look at that situation too, right? Dallas. Uh, actually, hold on though. I do want to touch on first staying on, sure. on Harden and Philly, because let's be honest, the, the thing here now is there's a ton of pressure on Daryl Morey because it's not just like you got James Harden to try to win a championship with Joel Embiid. And we've been talking about this for a while. If you don't have a chance to win a championship with Joel Embiid, at what point does he look around and say, well, damn, maybe I need to get somewhere else. Embiid is a big variable here. What, how Embiid reacts and wants to have, some sort of you know reaction from the team is going to be very relevant. And I suspect, hours, I suspect Joel is going to sit back and watch it play out. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. 
The NFL schedule drops this week, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click Ranger.com or just stop by. Let's talk about how can Daryl, you know, deal with this situation in a way that still puts Philly in a position with the reigning MVP to have a chance to contend. Well, to me, like I said before, if your options were, say, a week ago, right, your options were James Harden opts out and leaves, James Harden opts out and you pay him a bunch of money, or James Harden opts in. I think this is by far the best option because worst case scenario, you have to deal with him next year on your team and he might be kind of disgruntled. Okay. That's a bad scenario. I'm not saying I said it's, I said it's the worst case scenario. I'm not saying it's what I would want, but I do think it's on some level. If he doesn't have anybody step up with any kind of offer to trade for him, at some point, you would have to think he would sit there at this point and say, I got to try to earn a mo- earn money next summer, even if he doesn't want to be in Philly at all. So I think I that's not that will be true. No. Okay, I don't. Two, two, two different times he shut down in midseason. He's also 30, what, 35 now? Going to be whatever. I'm just saying, I again, that's the worst case. We're getting bogged down in the worst case scenario. I don't think it's happening either. But you have teams now that can trade for James Harden like say the Clippers, obviously they're the team that's already come up the most. The Clippers don't have any other way to get better, right? Right. The Clippers are stuck. That's the kind of team like Dallas with the Kyrie trade, though it's obviously very different circumstances where the Clippers might trade extra stuff to get James Harden because they don't have any way to get a player like James Harden in the door. And they're kind of stuck with this group. Okay. Okay. What can the Clippers trade that gives the Sixers a chance to continue? All right. Well, hold, hold on just one second. Hold on just one second. The Clippers started becoming – I started hearing the vibes Wednesday about the Clippers. And then Wednesday night, the Clippers did, did not pick up – they released James, uh, released Eric Gordon, mm-hmm. which saved them, I believe, 100 and – 110, I believe. 110 million, million in luxury taxes. In luxury taxes. Um, and – it's possible that they did that move just to save the taxes. It would not, it would be the first time that we've seen Steve Ballmer worry about spending, but there is a breaking point for everybody. They're in the repeater <laughs> tax. That, that, that's a lot of money for a role player. That's correct. So it may just be that. However, that move got them basically into a spot where if they had to go after Harden in a sign and trade, at least it was possible. It still would take mm-hmm. some other action, but right. the Clippers making that move 
was an indication that something might be up with them. And so my feel is that they knew that Harden was seriously considering doing something to get out of Philadelphia, mm-hmm. whether it was opting in and trying to walk in a sign and trade, which I thought was a low percentage and I think he did too, or opting into this contract. So there was momentum headed this way for a while. Um, he didn't do the actual paperwork until the very buzzer, but mm-hmm. there was momentum headed this way. When the Suns traded for Bradley Beal, even though the fit is not perfect with Bradley Beal in Phoenix, they couldn't turn down the ability to upgrade. They already were so mm-hmm. invested in Booker and Durant. In, I believe I said in for a penny, in for a pound, using an old man phrase. Okay, so they're like, we have this is a guy we're going to cut in Chris Paul. I think the Clippers are kind of looking at it similarly. If you look at their roster, they have a bunch of players on expiring contracts that are role players. Some of them are nice players. Some of them are run-of-the-mill players, but they're role players. And James Harden, like, I'm not sitting here saying, oh, bring, bring get James Harden, put him next to Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, and that's going to challenge the Nuggets, or that's going to challenge the 96 Bulls. But I think the reason that they're looking at it and the reason that they may explore it is because the price, the talent upgrade, and what they already have sort of in the middle with this team aligns. And I think that's the direction that they're looking at. Well, and I, I do think Harden's a great fit uh, just for the simple fact. James Harden is a brilliant offensive mind. He is a great, like, for, even if he's not a guy who can give you 35 or 40 every, every single night like he was in the recent past, that dude can run an offense and pass. But, but my point is, okay, let's say – you know, best case scenario, you're talking about some expiring contracts. Uh, now, the Clippers can can give a first round pick. Is that correct? Two, or, or do they two, two first? Okay, two first. Let, and two first and best two case swaps. scenario. Okay, best case scenario. I don't think it'll be that much. Even best case, all that as much draft capital as they can, expiring contracts, and I'll be very generous and throw Terrence Mann in the video. That's not a contending team. Now, can Daryl take? That and flip it. I never, I never rule out Daryl Morey's ability to to make things happen. Uh, expiring in, in contracts, the... expiring contracts. Tyrese Maxey and several firsts or multiple firsts is the best trade offer for Damian Lillard on the board. So now that's that's the one that is the one somewhat plausible scenario that I can see for Philly coming out of this thing and arguably arguably being better off right away. Well, and they might be. And look, I think what I would say is Daryl, as we've, you know, as we talked about before, Daryl has shown in the past, he's not just going to make a deal right away to make one. And like, we're like, we've all said in different ways, the Clippers and these teams that we're talking about that are over the cap, don't have a way to get James Harden. They don't have a way to get a player Mm -hmm. like that. So you could say the Sixers are sitting here with no leverage. Again, I think the Sixers have all the leverage because they're sitting there with the player who's on a one-year deal who can't, they, you can't even extend him anyway, but you see so you're locked in on this deal. And if James Harden goes to your team, he's going to be invested because he's going to want to get paid. And you're talking about these teams that don't have a way to get this kind of player. So I suspect that in the end, whenever this is done, and I, it might be a while, I think Philly's going to come out of this looking pretty good. 
yeah. because they they have a lot. I think they have a lot more leverage than people would think based off the facts that James Harden is sitting here without a clear exit strategy. I, I will say, I think Harden to the Knicks would be a poor fit, a bad idea, and the subject of intense internal debate before it happened. I think the Clippers make more sense. I agree with that. Um, and the Clippers have seem like they're being more aggressive. And remember, the Clippers also were talking about Malcolm Brogdon, at least in some forms, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they've been talking about yeah. point guards. There obviously was some interest in potentially trying to have a reunion with Chris Paul. That's now off the board. Like, this is something they've been looking at for a while now. So I don't think you can rule the Knicks out. I know that it doesn't look and make as much sense. I don't think you can rule them out. No, I'm not saying rule them out. I just don't think it would be wise. And I think that um, there would, like I said, I think it's something that I'm not, I don't believe there would be a, a consensus within the Knicks. Well, think about where the Knicks are. The Knicks were a fifth place team last year. They did beat the fourth place team. Philadelphia in front of them is now shaking a little bit. We'll see where they're at on the other side of this. They could end up on the other side of this and be in good shape. We'll see. I mean, look, here's something about Philadelphia. I'm going to tell you, Tobias Harris was underused last year. He was not underpaid. He was underused. Now, you can say what you're going to say about Tobias Harris, and that's fine. He had the lowest usage rate of any season of his career last season, Mm -hmm. even less than his rookie year. And then in the playoffs, it was even lower than that. So you can look at Tobias's output and you can say it's not acceptable and everything like that. He was underused. I think no matter what happened, even if James Harden was hugging Daryl Morey and they were drinking brandy in a strip club tonight celebrating the title or celebrating the contract. I think I think James Tobias is more of a Don Julio guy, but go on. Fair point. Tobias Harris is going to get used, I believe, more by Nick Nurse. Okay, so Tobias Harris is underused. Tyrese Maxey might be underused. It's possible that he could be used more. So I don't think this is like the Sixers have a challenge in front of them. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a disaster. I think it's an opportunity. They got to hit it. And I said, I go back to the Knicks. Philadelphia is somewhat in flux. Milwaukee, I'm not sure where they're going to be. They're, they still have Giannis, so they're still going to be fine. But we'll see about Milton and Lopez and okay, we'll see where they, they are. If they re-sign those guys, they're going to be right at the top of the conference, or should be. And if they and if they don't, then who knows? I agree. Yeah. But New York might say this might be a way we can inject some talent without it being too expensive. They have Evan Fournier's expiring contract, and they got a bunch of first-round picks, and they're not going to have to give five. By the way, the 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 the, the, the Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell trades; those are over for right now. Right. The, the, as I talk to league executives, they're starting to use the phrase "the price of acquisition." Um, oh, but let's also let's also be clear. The reason those deals are not on the table right now is because basically every team that's in contention for something has made one of those deals already. Right. Like that's yeah, part the of Knicks, the issue. The Knicks could trade <laughs> five first round picks for a player. But, but, I, yes, if if a player comes along. That if there's a if there's a guy like a true like top five level guy that cops pops like, up on the market. Yeah, like a guy who just won the MVP or something like that a year from now. Some somebody like that. I'm just well, saying there there are still teams that have the ability to do that, but all the guys we're talking about, whether it's Dame Lillard with two hundred million dollars left on his deal at thirty-three, whether it's James Harden at this point in his career, whether it's I mean Kyrie Irving has a, a thousand issues, all these guys 
for different reasons have things that are holding back their market on top of the fact that so many of the teams that might make this kind of deal have already traded a bunch of picks. Mm-hmm. So right, they, anyway, there's just no picks left to Knicks, trade, really. If the price is right, I think the Knicks would consider it. Yeah. I'll just leave it at that. So back to Philly, it may be a two-step trade. Mm-hmm. They may find a deal for James Harden, collect whatever they're going to get for him. Maybe it's a draft pick, maybe it's two, maybe it's expiring contracts. And they could then hold those things and try to go out and do something else. Now, this is where Dane Willard comes up. I'm going to tell you that if Dane Willard became available and Philadelphia was able to offer multiple first-round picks, Tyrese Maxey, and expiring contracts, that would be potentially a very compelling offer. It's almost like somebody said that 10 minutes ago. Okay. He's reiterating. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. Show some respect. Why is it reiterate? Do you iterate? Is iterate a yes. word? It is. Five times iterated and I reiterated. There you okay, go. Good. There you go. There you go. Um, or if they could use them for a player that we don't even see yet. Um, or or multiple players. They, or, I just, or they could I just see think... how Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris play for McNurse with the OMB. Well, but that's what that I'm works. saying. They could they could add two or three players. Like I just that's all I'm saying. I to me, I think this of the available options was the best option for Philly, for him to opt in. Now, obviously, it makes for an awkward situation right in this exact moment. But again, if you look at the suite of options, give him like a three or four year deal, have him leave or opt in and deal with this. If I was choosing one, I would choose this because I think this and could end it, up working out pretty well. If any GM is comfortable in an awkward situation, it's Daryl. I mean, it's true. He, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't get rattled by, by human element. It's funny that Harden's kind of been his one, I would say, weak spot in that. And uh, clearly that's not the case right now. Well, look, they, they've been preparing for this for weeks. They were, they were game theory and game planning this out for weeks, were they not? I mean, he had to recognize this was a possibility. Months, of course, Months, they've been I'm doing sure. it. They've and been listen, doing it. They've been doing it since the deal was signed last July. Well, and that's the other thing. Like, if you know Daryl Morey, he's got dozens of potential deals out as possibilities already. Like, it's not like Daryl's. Oh, wow, we've got to trade James. Okay, let's figure out what some possibilities are. <laughs> The, the guy, he's got all his contingency plans laid out well in advance. Well, so now let's talk about why this could be a circus. So you have three point guards that are somewhat up in the air. Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Dame Lillard. Now, Dame passed on a chance to ask for a trade on Monday. As far as I know, tonight, that has not changed. Kyrie Irving is looking for markets. He is looking and trying to create something. The Suns don't realistically have a chance to sign him. You know, there was a, you know, Chris Haynes reported today that there's going to be a meeting with the Suns. I guess you could get a whiteboard and an abacus and some grease and a bottle of Jack Daniels 
and you can well, let, maybe I mean, let's just, figure let's out just, a way for that to happen. Let's just so lay out the It's not going to happen. Well, let's just, we can, I mean, we could say the scenario for that to happen. They'd have to wipe out all the money on their books. DeAndre Ayton campaign, everybody else. Kyrie would have to do up campaigns contract. Right, so right, right. No, I know. Uh, assuming Kyrie is decided for a minimum deal, by the way, or like which that could happen. Sure. I guess or Kyrie, we're offering you sure. We're offering you 30 some odd, maybe even 40 some odd million less for this season right. than the matter. Or are. he could sign a he could do a sign and trade where you have to do, I believe, a three-year deal, and it'd have to be under I think 16, 17 million dollars, somewhere in that ballpark. If they did that and then had every other every other roster spot be a minimum, they could squeeze them in. Again, That's because the a sign and trade, a sign and trade at 172 million. Right. And Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal, Devin Booker are at 130 million in change. That's right. So you you know that that math is not. You then would have $42 million to fill out the rest of your roster, and every roster spot that's a minimum is about $2 million. So you start doing the math, and you run out of money really fast. Listen, the simple fact of the matter is, whatever number the Mavericks end up at, it'll be in the ballpark of max, somewhere south, but closer to max than, you know, than not. Um Nobody, there's not another scenario where Kyrie can get that kind of money. But again, the Mavericks, they're not, it's not that they're negotiating against another team. I think the worst case scenario for the Mavericks is Kyrie says, damn it, I don't have anything better. I guess I'll take this deal. Three years, you know, I'm just throwing numbers out now. Three years, 120 million, damn, this is a bunch of bulls. Signs that contract and he comes to camp and he's pissed off and he's pouting and he's disgruntled. He feels disrespected. He feels lowballed. It's a repeat of what went down in Brooklyn. That's the worst case scenario. So it's a very delicate. The Mavericks rightfully are confident that they will keep Kyrie Irving, but it is a very delicate situation and exactly how the, the negotiations unfold. Well, and I okay. think let me no, just clarify something real quick. Sure, sure. Joel Embiid and Kyrie Irving have a relationship. The Sixers are about to make a major move that well, they're going to move some major money. Now, if you did a sign and trade, you would be hard capped, and the Sixers would have to try to address that. They would have to move their money around a little bit. So it's not as simple. But I just want to be clear. Kyrie doesn't actually have to go to the Sixers. Kyrie just has to credibly threaten to try to get to the Sixers. Mm -hmm. And that might impact how the Mavericks do business, especially a year off of losing Jalen Brunson for nothing. Oh, no. Yeah, the Mavericks losing Kyrie would be a really, really bad situation for the Mavericks. You cannot lose your second best player uh, in, in back-to-back summers. It's obviously, it's just bad business, especially as big, you know, like the losing Brunson led them to make uh, a, a, essentially a panic move to get Kyrie in the first place. And now part of the, the reason the number is so important, it's not just they're trying to squeeze, you know, pennies here. They're trying to preserve their full max. I'm sorry, their full mid-level, that full, you know, which they were, they got, they shaved enough money off on draft night to have 
that full $12.4 million mid-level. Bruce Brown, primary target. Well, it sounds like Bruce Brown might have a spot where he's going to get more than the full mid-level. Um, you know, I still think there's a chance that Bruce Brown pulls a Bobby Portis and goes back to Denver for significantly less than he could get in the market, 7.8 million. And then, you know, that gets a kind of gets made right next summer. I know that obviously Michael Malone's recruiting the hell out of him. Uh, put it this way, that speech he made at the parade, you know, Brucey B, don't leave. That's not the first time that Malone said that in front of his teammates. His teammates have been hitting him up. But anyways, back to the Mavericks. I'm less confident now than even a few hours ago that they're going to be able to get Bruce Brown. Like Dante DiVincenzo would be another guy. That Villanova pull to, to New York seems pretty strong after John, Josh Hart yeah. did what he did. But by the way, there's a couple of interesting moves we're going to talk about today. Some real under low key things happened in the NBA right. already today. And the day so, so, you know, as, as I'm saying all this, I, I think that if you're Kyrie, that he's within his rights to say, okay, listen, it's so important for you to preserve the full mid level, but for, for who? If we're not going to get Bruce Brown, if we're not going to get a DiVincenzo, like for who? And, you know, maybe the Mavericks, I, this is just throwing names out that I think would be fits. Maybe the Mavericks say, hey, what we can do is we can split that and bring in Eric Gordon and Torian Prince. You know, I, but but if you're Kyrie, the if I'm taking a little bit less, why? What's it doing for us this season? I think that's a reasonable question for him to ask. Well, yeah, this um, is where this is where the Kyrie deal, you know, the fact that they made a desperation move in February to trade for him is why they're in a desperate spot now. And it's why to me, Dallas doesn't have a lot of leverage in this situation mm-hmm. because Kyrie, for all of his issues, Dallas has to have him on the team. Like Dallas can't do some sign and trade and get back flotsam in a trade or some future picks or something if they want to move on from Kyrie because you've got Lucas sitting there and this was the move to replace the guy, as you both said, Jalen Brunson walked out the door a year ago and played like an all-star in New York. And this was the guy to replace him. And if he goes back out the door, there's no way to replace him. So that's why, to your point, Dallas is in the position now with Kyrie as a free agent. They have to figure out a way to not only get him done, but get him done at a number where, like you said, he doesn't come back and feel disgruntled and upset and frustrated. And then it becomes the, the latest Kyrie circus. Whereas with James Harden, the fact that he's sitting there under contract, it gives Philadelphia, to me, a lot more leverage in that situation to manage it going forward, even if it is awkward right now, they've got a lot more certainty in where they're going than Dallas does, where they got to manage, they got to juggle a lot of stuff and try to keep them happy. Well, and especially after draft night where the Mavericks did good business on draft night, Mm -hmm. turning 10 into shedding some salary, getting picks 12 and 24, you know, Rashawn Holmes, honestly, I'm not, I don't know if he's going to be a rotation player or not. He wasn't last year in Sacramento. That was the tax to get 24. I think Derek had a better chance to be than Davis Bertans, though. For sure. But still, my my point is essentially the business you did on draft night was good, but you're bringing in two rookies. You're not bringing in immediate help. And the, Mm -hmm. the prize of the two rookies is a 19 year old big guy. Right. And it's not reasonable to think that Derek Lively, he's not going to be their starting center, certainly early next season. And if he is at any point, he would be well ahead of schedule, you know, so they're going to need a stopgap 
starting center. My whole point is when they got 10, you know, and certainly they explored these kind of things, but people thought, okay, the Mavericks are going to try to flip that pick that they tanked to keep for immediate help. And that's not the way that it played out. So I think, you know, you can argue, hey, they were, they took a smart patient approach, but smart patient approach and you lose your second best player and you really have no realistic hope of doing much of anything next year leads to a, a total disaster. Well, look, the question is, is that in the James Harden transaction, is it going to end up involving Kyrie? Is it going to end up involving Leonard? And I don't know, but it could. And that's what we're going to watch in the next couple of days. And it might not be in the next couple of days. It the Mavericks would... The Mavericks will have to be dragged into that kicking and screaming, but <laughs> I'm not saying it's not possible. I agree. But, you know, the, the, the Sixers are in a position where they are now got to maximize the hands that they're holding. Mm-hmm. And maybe Daryl and Daryl ain't going to rush into a deal just to get this over with. He's going to get the deal he wants to get. But how will the Mavericks now handle that hand? Are, are they in the mood to play hardball like, like they could be? So we'll see about that. And as for Dane, you know, here's the thing I'm going to say about Dane Lewis. Yes, it is. It is. It's likely that the Blazers would only trade him if he asked for a trade, and maybe even if he asked for a trade and said, "I want to go to a certain spot." But it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be that way. He is under long-term contract. They could trade him if they saw a deal crop up out of this that they thought was advantageous. They could trade him, especially if they think that. They're in a better position to trade him now as opposed to him him being coming to them and saying, I want to be traded here and and, and you know and, and want the, and want to sort of help control the terms. So I'm just I'm not saying I expect that to happen. I'm just saying that that should be thought about. And look, maybe the Harden thing will happen, Tyree will happen, and then Lillard will be unrelated. But I'm just saying we have potentially three star point guards, all of which are in some level of flux. And sometimes we see these deals merge together. So let's just keep an eye on that. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is all the lift big, get big and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting. And starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start. With thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can, even if that's just a 10-minute low-impact class, they have those two. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30-minute live DJ ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at onepeloton.com bike slash rentals. Terms apply. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit DirecTV.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. A couple of other things I want to talk about that happened in the NBA today. 
two low-key things I found interesting. One, Josh Hart picked up his contract option for $13 million. This was unexpected with the Knicks. He probably could have gotten more money for the Knicks if he opted out and did a brand new contract. But by doing this, he you don't think so? No, no. I, I think I I think he's getting you think he's going to get more or less the same money just an extra year down the road. And as you were going to say, this by opting in, it gives the Knicks the ability to use the full mid-level exception. And as McMahon alluded to earlier, there's a certain other former Villanova Wildcat that's on the market that could Dante be a mid-level DiVincenzo. player. We, we think there's a good chance Dante DiVincenzo could end up in New York to play with his former Villanova teammates, Jalen Brunson and Josh Hart. And Josh Hart handled this contract today in a way that helped make it more possible. That's and, by the, and by the way, like we talked about on the pod on Sunday, the fact that he pushed back with mutual agreement with the Knicks, pushed back his option on this contract by several days first, then opts in certainly makes you go. Why would he do that? As somebody yeah. would can, can we get the call logs of Josh Hart's cell phone? Were there any calls <laughs> placed to, to DiVincenzo? Nobody group calls text. him. They just, they just also, yeah, the Nova group something, text. something interesting happened in New Orleans. The Pelicans could have paid Herb Jones $1.9 million this year. And at the conclusion of that of this upcoming season, he would have been a restricted free agent where they could have matched all offers. Mm-hmm. Kind of seems like a no-brainer. Why would you not pay a really good perimeter defender who's an improving player or a really core pever your team? Why wouldn't you pay him two million dollars and then have him restricted in a year? They did not pick up that team option on him, and he is now a free agent, a restricted free agent now. That is interesting. Um Do now, that was I, surprising. Why, why does that make sense? Here's why I think so. I think Herb Jones will probably be re-signing with the Pelicans in the near future. The most he can get from the Pelicans is four years and $53 million, mm-hmm. which would mean that he would earn $12 million this year instead of earning $2 million this year. $10 million more in this season. That's good especially for a young man who's only made a couple of million dollars in the first couple of years of his career. Now, again, why would they do that? Because if he became a free agent next year, even though he would have been restricted, he wouldn't have been tied into the limitations of what he could be offered by other teams. Like this is a situation with Austin Reeves um, with the Lakers. He's played for two years. He's a restricted free agent. The Lakers can match, but other teams are limited in how much they can offer him in the first two years of that contract. So, I think the Pelicans are saying we think that he could get paid more than four years and 53, 54 million next year. So we're going to take the opportunity to lock him into this contract now, as opposed to potentially paying more for him next year. And his reward for that is he gets to make $10 million more now. He'll get to free agency a year earlier down the road. I guess. I guess. I don't think this is very good cap management, but. And they would take the this, this, this deal, if constituted, like we just said, will take the Pelicans deep into the luxury tax. Pelicans are one of two teams that have never paid the luxury tax. Uh, the other being the Charlotte Bobcat Hornets. They actually were both the Hornets, but whatever. Um, so I think the Hornets, I'm sorry, I think the uh, Pelicans have another move that will come 
to dump salary in addition to this uh, Herb Jones move, which I think um, that uh, portended. Um, and so, I, I, you know, there's, I mean, there's going to be a whole just, bunch of just for, just for clarity's sake, they'd be close to the tax. They wouldn't be way into it. Like, I think they, they could make some moves on the margins and maybe get out of it without having to do something drastic. If it if it's the way we laid out, that's just for. I think at the moment they're just below the tax, and if they give them a ten million dollar raise, they'd be well into it. It's I'm looking at I'm looking at the numbers, and they're they're they'll if they give him that deal, they'll be with the with cap holds, they'll be bumping up against the tax. Might be into it by a little bit. So I just looked it up while you were talking. Uh, uh, another anyway, move that was uh, that was interesting, a little bit higher in the Western Conference standings. Harrison Barnes getting a deal done to stay in Sacramento. Uh, certainly when, you know, Wendy, you were the first one to, to jump on this when they made the move on draft night to essentially dump Rashawn Holmes and, and, you know, pay the number 24 pick uh, to Dallas, you know, to do so. Uh, it looked like they might be some pretty major free agency players. Um, maybe not. Apparently not. Yeah, I would say this rules that out, basically. So why did they trade a first-round pick? To dump salary? And that dump salary achieved? Well, it will help. It will give them the ability to re-sign these guys and renegotiate and extend to bonus. They can re-sign Trey Lyles. They can bring over Sasha they had, Sankoff. They had, the they, can, on, they had the rights on all those guys. Yeah, but they'll be under the cap now, and they can be under the cap and then ex- renegotiate an extensive bonus, whereas if they had kept Rashawn Holmes, they would have been an over-the-cap team, and they wouldn't have been able to do that. That's, I mean, that's the, that's the that'll be the one benefit if they go this route. They, I don't think so, because um, Barnes took a pay cut. So they would, they would be, they would have generated cap space in that way. But they well Barn Barn signed I mean, right about at the same number. He was he was 18.3 last year, he signed a three year fifty four million dollar yeah, deal. It's they 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 removed they removed not only did they remove the money from Holmes, they also removed the potential money they're going to give the 24th. It's like 15 million dollars off their books that gives them the ability to all right. Well, let's not analyze it too much, but well, I was surprised. Okay. And like that's the same thing. Like I'm not hundred percent clear about that deal plus if the Mavericks don't end up getting their um, getting their mid-level exception, they'll move Davis Bertans off and not really been able to immediately realize the advantages of that. So, uh, that well, was- nah, I, uh, they realized some advantages of it because by moving Bertans, they opened up. First of all, they got the guy they they wanted at ten, regardless. Yeah, and then they opened up that trade exception, which that's that trade exception is what they took Holmes into and, and got that 24th overall pick. So moving Bertans at least allowed them to get the 24th overall pick. And then they got Omax Prosper, who is a Gordon Finney-Smith type of guy. That's um, so, you know, maybe you can say they didn't maximize it, depending on how things play out, but they did benefit from it. That's true. I take it back. I forgot that they got that pick. All right. Um, so I have heard... How many we've had in our text? We're not going to be able to save most of these, but how many deals do we think we've heard of being done already? 15? I was going to say more than, yeah, more a dozen plus. 
yeah. So we're going to see a bunch of stuff get done at the deadline tomorrow. I mean, at the uh, the opening of it. Um, one of the, the big things that will happen is if Fred Van Vleeten does indeed take the money in Houston, the fallout with potential guys who are waiting on potential offers from Houston um, and the fallout in Toronto, where mm -hmm. if indeed the Rockets are willing to go to the max, which is $40 million, give or take, for Fred Van Vliet, I don't have a problem with the Raptors not matching that, but it calls into question the Raptors strategy with Fred Bentley over the last year, including at the trade deadline. And um, it calls into question the really their strategy for the last couple of years where they've managed their roster. I don't know what they're doing. Uh, they're kind of just spinning their wheels. Well, and, and then does that, is that, would that be the domino that would push them into saying, okay, we lost Van Vliet. It's going to be really tough to be competitive right now. Let's strip down and rebuild around, you know, Scotty Barnes in particular. But in other words, hey, is is there there's Ananobi teams, there's several teams that would love to have Ananobi. Do we need to restart those conversations? You know, Siakam. Siakam. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's a fallout. The other thing is like Brooke Lopez was a guy that Houston was I believe considering. In Sacramento was a as, as a Bonta. I don't know if they were seriously considered it, but I thought Zach, Brooke Lopez would have been interesting for Sacramento. Both of those doors may be, have been closed if Van Vliet does this. Does that increase his situation to go back to Milwaukee, and does that affect the price? Well, and so, and, and our buddy Mac Ten mentioned Lopez as a Lakers target with their Fullman level. I can't imagine that the Bucks wouldn't beat that offer not that not that you know they had the right if, to match but I, yeah i think i think if brooke was taking that it'd be because you'd want to go live by disneyland and he would be frustrated <laughs> with how the i mean that that i say half jokingly but i'm sure he would and also he would be frustrated with how um the bucks had handled things at that point right right um, I mean, look, I, I mean, and reunite with Darvin Ham and all that kind of well, stuff. Well, right. I mean, Darvin certainly is a guy who's a sales pitch there. I mean, look, I, if, if I'm the Bucks, I'm pretty frustrated with how these negotiations for Nick Vucevic went. Because if I'm Brooke Lopez, I'm going to the Bucks and say, I ain't, I ain't taking a dollar less than three for 60. Like, I'm a better player than Nick Vucevic. I, you know, like whatever the better, price was, he's a, yeah, he's a, he's a more valuable player. I, mean, I would just say he's, I just say he's a flat out better player. I, I don't think there's, if you just put those guys on at the open market, say who's the better player. I think most teams are going to say Brooke Lopez. And again, if we talk about leverage, right in that situation, if I'm Brooke Lopez, I'm saying, Hey, if I leave, what are you guys doing here? Like, well, yeah, if, if he leaves, they're in trouble. And we right. talked about that before, because it ain't about, necessarily brooke lopez is about bucks aren't going to be championship contenders if they lose lopez right. and if they're not right. championship contenders then then hey, what? you know you all know who another guy would that... be worth throwing all the next picks in to the pot uh, for well, i think i got there it. you go so again he's got a lot of leverage to get that done does he does that get done and like i said if i'm if i'm brooke lopez and you know darren Matsabar, his longtime agent i'm looking at the vooch deal and i, I i'm saying hey three for 60 like we're starting there and you know if you guys don't like it then right and like who go somewhere else 20 million at this point if houston does this deal who's offering him 20 million i guess possibly 
San Antonio, it, his 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 arc doesn't match theirs, but San Antonio needs a center. I mean, it'd be a nice fit with Victor. I mean, yeah, look, I mean, San Antonio does have Zach Collins. They're not desperate for center. Well, they got a uh, lot of cash space. They got to spend it on somebody. Do. Well, not necessarily. They can they can rent it. Well, I, I'm just saying they got to spend it somehow. They could spend right. it a lot of different ways, but they got to spend it on something. I'm just saying, yeah. Brooke Lopez, if Brooke Lopez gets like, and this is where I'm going back to with the Lakers, right? I assume Brooke Lopez is going to wind up eventually in Milwaukee on a deal. But if they say we don't want to take less money than Nick Vucevic and the Bucks play hardball with them, and he says, well, the hell with it. I'll just go play somewhere else for less money instead. Like, like, like you said, McMahon, they don't have the ability to just match any offer if he gets annoyed with how it's going. So that's, you know, they're in a delicate spot. And like I said, if I'm the Bucks and I'm sitting there and I see that deal, I'm sure they weren't thrilled because it's not, it's not, it's not a good negotiating position for them at the exact same position to have that guy sign that deal two days before free agency starts. Yeah. Well, you know, so we've been talking throughout this discussion about guys who don't really have markets or don't are sort of, you know, trying to gain leverage without really having other offers. Another guy that I think is going to be interesting is going to be D'Angelo Russell. Mm-hmm. I think that he has value to the Lakers, but I don't know who's offering him a significant contract when he made $30 million last year. I, I don't, who's offering him more than the mid-level? I don't see that, which is I why I, I wonder could, if the Lakers will. Yeah, I, I can't name a name or a team. Um, I asked you guys, have you heard anything on Russ? I don't know. No, I'm talking about Russell Westbrook, not D'Angelo Russell. I don't know what the like where his next deal is coming from. Well, he could back up James Harden theoretically. They've played together before. Twice. The second time was very brief <laughs> and ended with uh mutual trade requests. <laughs> Um, all right. We're going to have a lot to talk about. By the way, Kyle Kuzma is another one. I'm not sure where. Yeah, that's, that's, you know, we thought, we thought Utah, that, that option is, is kind of off the table. We thought maybe Sacramento, they, they're sticking with Barnes. I'm, you know, we'll see. A real theme has been that there's just a lot of guys looking around trying to find leverage and there's not a lot of leverage. And I do think we should touch on before we go, because we sort of talked, talked around a bit, a little bit, Brian is this Bruce Brown situation. He's obviously mm-hmm. got a ton of suitors um, around the league. A lot of people are interested in him. I mean, you mentioned it, man. He could, in theory, do with the quote-unquote Bobby Portis and go back to Denver on a smaller deal. I think the thing to remember with that is in his entire career, Bruce Brown has yeah. made like 13 or $14 million total right. to this point. When Bobby Portis had done that, he'd already made – almost 30 and it already had a year in his career when he made $15 million with the Knicks. Right. right? So like it would be, it would be, it would be 7.8 million this year. And then they could offer, they could offer him next summer in the range of 60 over four. Well, but again, again, he he might might get get that this summer. Well, that's the thing, a full mid-level deal. You're talking close to that this summer for a guy who's never made any money. That would be. And and if, and if it's the Pacers, it it would be for more than full mid-level. Right. So then you're talking even more than that. So if that's the case, like I just it's hard for me to see a guy in that position walking away from that kind of money. I mean, if he does good for him, I mean, I thought last summer when they signed, it'd be a great fit. Obviously, he's better than anybody could have guessed. He's incredible 
in Denver. It'd be cool if he was back there, but it's just going to be tough, I think, for them to do that with the amount of money he's going to be able to get from other places. Yeah, I, I agree. And I've been under the assumption for months that there's no way he'd be back in Denver. Um, I've softened that just based on, you know, conversations I've had today. And like I said, you know, the Nuggets, uh, they know what they're up against. Like, sure. They understand the money and the math and all that. Well, but if he leaves, Michael Malone's made their eyes with diamond encrusted fingers. This is true. Um, and, uh, and he'll get his when, when he comes back to Denver with whoever it is this, this season. That's right. Before we go, Bob Times, you were you flew up to Boston for the day to go to Chris S. Porzingis press conference. I didn't think we were going to talk about this. <laughs> Employee number eight, baby. <laughs> um, what did you take away from that? He we, uh, he was pretty enthusiastic. Yeah, it was really interesting. Um, I still can't wrap my head around this trade. It's one of the most fascinating trades I can remember. I'm really I'm really excited to watch Boston this year because they are going to be such a different team with Porzingis instead of Marcus Smart and like all the various things that's going to change about their group, both from a locker room standpoint and on-court standpoint and on-court style standpoint. But, you know, McMahon spent a lot of time around Porzingis in Dallas. I was around him early in his career when he was in New York. And it was interesting to hear him talk today and see how excited he was about being in Boston. And it felt like a guy who had, over the last couple of years, seen his star drop in a lot of ways yeah. quite a bit and be excited about the fact that a really good team that's got a chance to win a championship sort of prioritized going to get him, right? I mean, we're talking about a guy that, what, 16, 17 months ago, I mean, I don't know if it was quite a salary dump, but... Oh, it was a, no, it was a straight-up salary dump to the point where the Mavericks gave up a second round pick to do it and took back two contracts that the Wizards desperately wanted to get off of. One it's of them a, they it, just one of them they just got off of in a draft by moving down in the draft in Davis Pertons, right? It was Davis Pertons and exactly. Spencer Dinwiddie. And and so, Dinwiddie and, and Dinwiddie had a bad go in Washington, and which yep. he's made clear many times, as has Kuzma. But yeah, it was, it was essentially total, you. Like, it, was, it was like somebody's willing to take him without us giving up a first round pick to get off him. Here you go. Right. So you so you go from being the guy in Dallas who's traded to be with Luca as the second star, and like Luca and Chris Stapps are going to be the guys, and we're going to you know compete for titles here. To they're going to be together for twenty years. Mark Cuban declared during right. his intro presser in uh, Dallas. Right. So you go from that to getting Wait, salary dumped. 20 months. Yeah, I'm, I have to go back and review that. <laughs> but you go from that to getting salary dumped to Washington, being on a completely irrelevant Wizards team this year, had a great season with the Wizards, was healthy, played really well, had some great games against Boston, ironically, um, but completely irrelevant. And like he, it was interesting just to hear him talking about how excited he was. And I thought the other thing he said that was really interesting um, was that. You know, somebody asked him, do you feel like you're heading into your prime of your career? And he said he was. And he said he talked a lot about the fact that he's really grown a lot, both mentally and physically. And he felt like he's entering the prime years of his career in both of those aspects and talked a lot about the fact that he's learned a lot from when he was 21 or 23 or 25 and thinks he's a different guy now. And look, it's easy to say all that stuff in July and we'll see where things mm -hmm. are at in March and April and May. This is a guy who's played 10 career playoff games. You know, like he's now on a team that 
going to be expecting to be competing for a championship. He's replacing a guy that was a icon in Boston in a lot of ways. And Marcus smart, that's going to be a big thing to deal with. Um, so there, there are a lot of questions about the fit, about all of it, but I do think from an overall talent standpoint, Boston did raise their championship ceiling with this move. And I think with Porzingis, it, if he, if he embraces this with the approach he had today and how he talked about it today, it could work out really well for the Celtics, but I'm really curious to see if it goes that way or not. They have to extend them, right? I mean, they didn't trade Marcus Smart for a one-year rental. I would suspect he will be on an extension at some point. Brad Stevens was asked about it and said they're still talking about things and they haven't got anything done, but I would guess at some point there will be an, an extension. They what traded Marcus Smart with two first-round picks. What'd you say, Tim? I said they traded Marcus Smart for two first-round picks as well, but the same. They did. Uh, they tried. They had discussions about trading Malcolm Brogdon before. That is still out there. They have Grant Williams as a restricted free agent. That is still out there. Celtics are not done. You know, they've got some more work to do on this roster, plus the Jalen Brown extension, Mm -hmm. which I suspect will get done. All right, when we come come back to you tomorrow, there's going to be a lot of stuff that's happened. We'll take a look at it. Who knows what will happen on the Harden front. Obviously, the Sixers could take their time here. It wouldn't surprise me if they did, but I expect this to happen reasonably soon. So we'll see if I'm right. We'll see if I'm wrong. Thank you, Mr. Bontemps. Thank you, Mr. McMahon. Thank you, Jackson, our producer. Thank you for listening to Hoop Collective. We'll talk to you uh, tomorrow slash Saturday. Adios, amigos.